Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I am Tina Marks, your host. Let's see if I can get this right. I've done two takes already. Today's guest is a podcast host. I was saying podcast. I don't know what I was saying, but anyway, he's a podcast host, an entrepreneur, speaker, coach, author. He also operates a real estate business and a media slash coaching company. Prior to this, he was in the Navy submarine force. Yes, he spent years underneath the water and it was an amazing experience for him. He found his purpose, um, which is helping other people. He's also very passionate about suicide and mental health. You're going to find out why through his journey underneath the water in a submarine for years, how this all led to him being and doing what he's doing today. Up next, Musa McHale. Welcome, Musa. So, um, I'm going to share it right now. We had to both jump off because I mispronounced your name. And I said, that was a first. So anyway, here we are. Welcome to Transparent with Tina. So good to see you and meet you finally in person. Yeah, it's an honor. My privilege and honor. Thank you very much, Tina, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I find you fascinating. You've got your hands in a lot of of businesses. Um, You are a a podcast host, entrepreneur, speaker, coach. Uh, You also operate a real estate business and a media slash coaching company. But before we get into all that of how you, where you are now, I always like to hear the backstory before that you were in the Navy submarine force, right? Correct. Yeah. And um, this actually led to your journey to entrepreneurship and following your dream. So why don't we, why don't we talk about what led you into that first and then, and then your journey into being an entrepreneur. So, so what, what made you interested in become, becoming part of the Navy and actually going down on a submarine? Because honestly, I, I was thinking about that. I don't know anybody that's been, uh, yeah, that tight quarters, underwater. Tell us about it. Yeah, actually, I didn't even want to be on a submarine. So it's funny how it happened. My intentions going into the Navy were actually to be an FBI agent. Oh. And that was that was my initial goal, and that was my plan of of pretty much standing out, getting a top secret clearance, having a military background, uh, as well as an education that would make me stand out versus a you know a competitive FBI agent uh, recruiting system. Uh, and then there was two things that I didn't really want to do, and the submarine force was actually one of them. And I, I specifically told my recruiter at the time, like I didn't want to be underwater, uh, and it was mainly honestly because I was afraid to be inside the tube for extended periods. It is would... really a tube. I've been in one. <laughs> yeah. I forget where it was, but it is very close quarters. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a tube with a bunch of mechanics and electronics and power plants and all kinds of things. Um, and I, I really didn't want to do it. And then somehow when I ended up going to the entry processing station, the only two jobs they offered me were on a submarine. Uh, and I was told I was going to be able to change it in the time and, and the waiting period before I shipped out to boot camp. Uh, and that I didn't really get any other job that offered me a security clearance. It was like the main goal I was going in the military for was a security clearance. Um, so I ended up just accepting it and and going into the submarine force. I was a navigation electronics technician on a fast attack submarine in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. 
Uh, and, wow. you know, very technical field. My, my experience there was, you know, I've, I've never even been on like a boat. So my first time ever on a boat, it was on a submarine. Uh, and, and they, they did this thing where they drop you off. They, they pull in close to the port and yeah. you get on a small boat and d- jump on pretty much. And then they leave. Uh, and they do that for like supplies and personnel. And that's my first time going on board a couple months before we did a six month deployment. Uh, I was totally seasick. I was totally I, overwhelmed. <laughs> that was the other thing I was going to bring up. I mean, I'm sure if you, I, 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 it would, I wouldn't last because, you know, seasick. Yeah. Yeah. So but you, the, the cool thing. So yeah. the first time out, we said that you went for six months. Is that, is that what you just said? No, it was, it was, it was a preparation for the six month. Deployment. Oh, I see. It was, okay. it was like the workup, what they call it. Um, and I really, you know, I, I decided uh, when I was doing the one year schooling and training before going onto the submarine that I was just going to do my best to make the most of my situation, honestly, because I could tell them I was claustrophobic and, you know, having, you know, mental problems and I really didn't want to do it. And then when I actually talked to a, when the psychologist that, that did a tour with me, I, that's when I realized like this was just, I was making up this fear of being on the submarine. Cause once I got on, yeah, it's really cramped and it's not glamorous in any way. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't going to like kill me. So, and it's it, it wasn't maybe as, as bad as you imagined. Right. Yeah. Which is yeah. a very important point with fear. Mm-hmm. Right. It is. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time, live, you know, and it's funny because I knew I was having this interview today. I was going through some of your notes and all of a sudden it brought back a lot of memories for me. I lived most of my life in fear. I mean, and I'm going to do a show probably in, in a, on my own, just talking about this very subject about fear and how you can just make yourself crazy, right? Because your imagination is amazing when you use it for good things, but if you're using it with fear, um, yeah. So that was a great demonstration for you that, that it wasn't as bad as you actually had made out in your head. Yeah. And it was, it was really all I was focusing on uh, the first time I took a tour. Cause they make you take a tour of, of the submarine to familiarize yourself before, while you're in school. Because mm-hmm. it's in Groton, Connecticut, and that's a submarine base. And I thought I was claustrophobic. And I was just like, f- sort of freaking out. And I was that's when I was like, I'm not going to do this. And I talked to some people, then they, they took me on a, another tour. And then I was just like, I was focusing on all the, the fear aspects of it, of being away from people, being trapped, being not able to talk, being able to not leave or go anywhere and, and just being in this confined space with 130, 150 men for, for those specific class submarines. And it was just, that was the only conversation I was having in my head was, mm-hmm. this is going to be terrible. Like, I, I'm I like, I'm not going to see the sun for months. <laughs> it's like all these things. And then I ended up just and making it a challenge for myself of, of going outside my comfort zone. Because it was truly the most uncomfortable place I could think of, like in the Navy. Was oh, yeah. Doing in, the, in the Navy <laughs> and a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did, have you, Musa, at that point, had you made it? a habit of overcoming challenges and like you just said being being okay with being uncomfortable at that point i realized that it was a choice you know it i i already made the decision to get out my comfort zone by leaving and going to the military in the first place mm-hmm. leaving everyone and and doing my own thing in the military so it was it was continuous practice and and i started to shift the way i look at it i was like if I could get over myself and get out of my own way and fears of accomplishing this, 
being on a submarine, yeah. actually being successful, not just surviving and being miserable. Cause some people do that. So a mm-hmm. lot of people mm-hmm. I've, I've served with is just, I'm getting by. And then that translates in the civilian world. Some people just hate their job, go to work and just get by instead of actually enjoying what they do. And I was, I was just going to decide I was going to do the best I could possibly do wherever I was at. And that's where it started to develop that mindset and that perspective. And then I realized if I could do this here and overcome this, because there was like no part of me that desired being there, was there was nothing that I wouldn't be able to accomplish outside of the military because I know it was just several, like a few years of my life. So uh, I already had the intention of not staying in for that long. And then, and then seeing how government and military was operated behind the scenes and, and a lot of the things I, I didn't like, the bureaucracy issues mm-hmm. and, and just a lot of the policy type things and, and the way the people weren't the priority from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the submarine and the mission and these things. And I get it to a certain point. However, the people really have to be a priority in any organization. Right. And, and that's why I truly believe if you're a business owner uh, or a military leader, or a leader of any kind, the people are the most important thing. Simon Sinek talks about it a lot. Like the, you have to invest in the people and then the success you are looking for is a result of you investing and, and showing love and support to the people that work with you or work for you. Uh, so I started to really be observant of how these systems, these archaic ways of treating people, the military uh, authoritative type of leadership and I really, really started paying attention to the leadership mm-hmm. and the leadership styles and mental health and then physical health, because all that, all those things were just tied in. Uh, and a lot of the people I, I knew and served with had terrible physical health because of the habits, you know, they just nonstop monsters. The hours are ridiculous for some mariners. They work a ton of hours. So I get it. And then there's different ways to cope with these habits. And I saw all kinds of things. Uh, and, and that's what kind of made me even more passionate about what can I do instead of just complaining about how bad it is, because I didn't even enjoy a lot of it, even though I had a very, very successful tour, you mm-hmm. know, junior sailor of the year, all the awards and accolades someone could get in their first tour. However, that wasn't even my focus. My focus was just what what can I push myself to accomplish while I'm here or I could choose to suffer. And that is a big choice that a lot of people make unconsciously. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I do want to stop because you, you touched on that just a little while ago and I almost jumped in, but you, you, you just said it again. And you know, this is, I think, the problem with our society. It's really all about your perception. It's not your external circumstances. If you don't have a strong foundation inside of you that knows you can persevere and actually succeed, whatever, hap- whatever is put before you, okay, then you do fall into fear. Like I, I said, I spent most of my life there. And, you know, I was just writing a list down because like I said, I'm going to do a video on this. Um, I was writing a list of like, everything scared me getting into traffic and not being able to get to my destination on time. I know that sounds really crazy. Anything that didn't go my way. Um, I never felt like I was going to be able to get everything done in the day. I didn't feel like I was going to be able to, um, provide, I mean, I was, I've been a single mom since my son was five and a half months old. And for the first part of his life, first part of his life, honestly, 
I was like, just concentrating on how I'm going to keep them alive. And if you think about all this, it's just a fear that I am not capable of the assignments that I've been given. And you know what? I did exist. I'd be like, oh, I made it to the end of the day, you know, and that's existing. That's not living. That's not engaging. I think this is going to be a lot of what we're going to talk about today is that fear. And, you know, you even talk about um, victim consciousness. I was, I was listening to something that you were talking about that. And that goes hand in, in hand too with your per- perception. I mean, and we all know those people where, you know, oh, it happened to me, it's, you know, instead of it happened to me, it's it, for me, I go, it happened for me. It didn't happen to me. It happened for me because the way I, and I used to be that person. I used to look at, you know, why is everybody else getting a break? I'm not. Why is everybody else moving forward? And the more you put in, you more you start thinking about that, just like you did with your fear in the submarine, okay? The more that it's easier to keep concentrating on what you don't have, what you lack. But the minute you start saying and embracing these challenges that come in your, in your way, I mean, really like hug them like, a, like you're hugging your, your best friend and saying, hey, I know you're here for a reason because I know when, when we're done with each other, I'm going to be on the other side and I'm going to be like, that's why, that's why it happened. But I think people instead resist it. And as we know, whenever you resist something, it just gets bigger, blown out of our pores and doesn't go away. It keeps coming back into your path. Absolutely. And I love that because resistance is something that is a lot of times unconscious for a lot of people. And I, I like to say that resistance, what we resist, the fear that we are resisting for, because resistance comes from a fear of something. Yes. It, when we're in resistance, that fear that we're in resistance for only persists and continues. Exactly. We create that fear through the resistance. So it, it's in that resistance of the fear that creates the fear. They're dependent upon each other. They coexist. Mm-hmm. And the resistance, like everybody says, because I did this for years. If I don't look at it, it'll go away. And it did maybe temporarily, but it rears its ugly head. Different person, mm-hmm. diff- different situation. I mean, I truly believe that when universe, God, whatever you want to call our source, if it's meant for you to get this lesson, it's coming back. So, you know, it's just like I've said this a million times. It's like going, going through school. If you don't pass the test, you're not going to get in the next grade. It's the same thing. And that's really, you know, life is, it's a classroom to be our best selves. How do we become our best selves unless we're prodded, we're pushed a little bit, we're made uncomfortable because, you know, studies show, we all know we don't do anything when we're comfortable. We're comfortable. Why, why, why do anything? Right. And I tell all my clients, get used to being uncomfortable every day. That doesn't sound very fun. Right. But the news is, is that once you do start practicing, that's your new normal. Being uncomfortable is not painful like it once was. It's just your new normal. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and your fear starts to dissipate because if you're a little uncomfortable every day, you know, the fear doesn't have the hold on you that it once had because it's such a foreign thing. Now it's there all the time. So it's, it's just not creating that space for it. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, and for another perspective to look at being uncomfortable because our brain does everything in its power to keep us comfortable because that's just the way it is designed to keep us alive it is really is when we are in 
fear and uncomfortable, you realize that uncomfort, uh, that energy exertion usually takes a lot more energy when you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. If you have a really tough conversation, it's like after it, you're just like, whoo, it's draining or whatever. It's tiresome. And then you do it again and it's a little bit less tiresome. Yes. And you do it again and it's a little bit less tiresome. So it really is working out an emotional uh, and even spiritual type of muscle, right? The, The more you work it out, the easier it gets, the more conditioned you are. And more in shape you are, just like a, a muscle doing some curls or any other exercise. Yep. If, you, if you never ran for like 20 years and you go run two miles, that's going to be really, really hard two miles. But right. If you ran a little bit every day. So, so a lot of getting out your comfort zone doesn't have to be this gargantuan task. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's the little things. Can, what small thing can I put myself in that makes me uncomfortable? And sometimes it's like, if you're if you're not a dancer, put a song on and dance. That's uncomfortable. Exactly. You're not gonna die. <laughs> I, you know what? I write about that in my book. I said, you know, it could be you could be jumping out of a plane, or it could be calling somebody you don't feel like calling. You know, it could be as simple as that. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because before we got on, I was sharing with you that I said uh, normally I would book my interviews on a day that I'm not coaching or at the end of the day. For some reason, I put you smack in the middle of all my clients. And when I looked at my schedule today, my first, my first reaction was like, what? How am I going to do that? Okay. And then I just said, there, you, you're going to be able to do it. I, I didn't get panicky like a year ago I would have. I probably would have changed, rescheduled you, rescheduled somebody, been panicky, and I just went, you know, and the whole day it's gone smoothly because I'm not accepting the fear that tried to ruin this for me. And I've done this enough times now, you know, when, the, when I first started doing this, you know, a couple of years ago, this particular show uh, over a year ago, I might've made that. But now after the, after exercising that muscle and going, you know, I've done this before. It's not like my first interview by far. So you know what, you, you can do whatever you set your mind to. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's basically what we're saying here. You know, you just got to, you just got to eliminate the fear when it pops up because it will control you. It will take over. I love that you being open about that because no matter what level of success that we're at, or there's, there's still comfort. There's oh, yeah. still the ability to go a little bit past the comfort zone or get a little bit uncomfortable. And just like that, like, yep. A, a interview in the middle of coaching clients. It might throw a lot of people off. It's yeah, not their it routine. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Seriously. I don't think I would have had it in me six months ago or thought it, but I, I obviously put you there and I was cognizant when I, I did that. So I obviously felt I could handle it, but then the day comes and you're like, Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, okay. So, so, t- so tell me you were underwater. You said for, for two years, right? This is how you started figuring out how you wanted to get out of that nine to five paycheck, become an entrepreneur, which not everybody's built to be an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. like you said, you started that, that, that's what started your journey. So one thing is you said, you know, how people are being treated there. So that was something that you were learning about leadership and obviously entrepreneurship. Well, what else um, happened down there? That Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. So about two years of my four years attached to the submarine was 
underwater. So we were pretty busy uh, for a lot of that time. And that was the first three years I was pretty much gone, like in and out all the time. And I, there was, it was a decision on one of my deployments. Cause I, I looked at it and I started really appreciating time. Once you start oh. leaving for months and weeks and at a time, and, and you don't get much time to really just be at Liberty or enjoy yourself and do the things you like. So I, I really started to appreciate time. And then I went on a six month deployment and most of that's at sea underwater. And I realized like I'm missing out six months of like life out there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I'm going to do my job and perform. However, there I'm missing out, you know, and it, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't in control and this was a form of surrender for me. It was just accepting it and doing what I can in that space uh, and to be a leader uh, to my capability. And that's really what started me. I, I looked at that six months and I was like, what can I do? So I don't regret or, or feel like I've wasted six months of my life. And that really came down to self-development and books. I've made it a goal to read as many books as I possibly can in that six months. And on both deployments, I was very busy. I didn't really have time to do anything else, really. I watched a few movies here and there. Um, my second deployment was strictly, I'm going to read and listen to podcasts and just consume as much as I can to set myself up when I get out. And most of the stuff I was, I was reading and, and stuff were just self-development and business related finance and, and, and things of that nature. And that really shifted my, my idea of creating a life that I wanted to design and not work. Cause it didn't, then I started, it, it dawned on me that FBI agents had less vacation time than I did in the submarine force. They have 14 <laughs> years. And I was just like 14 days a year and, and, and they work a ton as well. And I realized that wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling me, even though I, I support the military and I, I very much support veterans and, and active duty that wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't my, I feel like it wasn't it was my your calling. calling. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, we all said at the same time, it wasn't your calling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I saw, I thought about my podcast name before I got out and I was just like, I want to do a podcast on self-development and then share my journey and help others and, and get other people to share their journeys. Cause everyone's journey is unique, different perspectives and different uh, obstacles and overcoming different things. And I really, it really excited me. I got really excited to just think about like, I could just have conversations with people and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then just yeah. help them. Cause like most people don't get the experience I got. Right. You know, and, 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 I chose to get the perspectives that can help me teach other people, yes. right? And and see what leadership styles, why it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and some, you know, I aligned my leadership style with a lot of what Simon Sinek wrote in uh, Leaders Eat Last, which is one of my favorite books uh, on leadership. And that was just like everything he was laying in there was just perfect. It was mm-hmm. just exactly what I was experiencing with leadership uh, and my submarine. Yep. Uh, and that was a big deal. Like that affects morale and morale affects performance. And and that was a big thing that was just, I wanted to, I, I could not stop learning about it. Right. It was just why, and, and why does a one leader change out for another person and the whole dynamic changes. Exactly. The entire crew. And, and that, that got me very curious uh, and, and well, people you know, need to feel heard and they need to feel appreciated. 
Those are really, you know, and they need to feel loved. But I mean, seriously, it's, it's, it's not asking a lot. I mean, when people feel that way, they'll, they'll run, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll bend over backwards for you, you know, and when they don't feel appreciated, you know, and they don't feel loved and they don't feel heard, they're going to be looking for any opening to get out of that place, you know, and, and I want to go back to one thing that you just said. So if, if let's say you had resisted, you had not surrendered to your circumstances, how would your life have been different right now? If I would have not surrendered to my circumstances so of being if, on the submarine? Yeah. If you would have resisted it, like you said, and just resisted it and basically grin, grin and bear it, do like whatever you have to do to get by. I mean, how would your, how would your life be different right now? It would not, I would not be here talking to you. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. and, and don't get me wrong. I did have a lot of resistance. You know, I was a high performer. And I, I still got stuck in a lot of the resistance. I would get stuck on all the things that I didn't understand or like or, or, or things. A lot of the times it's do this without an explanation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that drew me nuts. And a lot of what I've learned uh, and, you know, from other military leaders as well and, and business leaders, when the people who are following you, your subordinates don't understand the why behind what the hell they're doing you're going to get poor results and you're you're pissed off. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So every time something like that came about, I I would get pissed off and I would, I would recognize it though. And I would, it was a constant, it was constant effort, conscious effort of me not allowing circumstances to continue to control me emotionally. Cause once it controls my emotions, it controls everything I do because nothing I do is the same when I'm pissed off. Exactly. My performance is not there. Definitely. So uh, I would say that if I haven't surrendered to being on a submarine, I wouldn't haven't, I would never gotten that level of perspective and that many opportunities to practice getting out of resistance Mm -hmm. or being outside my comfort zone. You would have had the opportunities, but you probably wouldn't recognize them. Yeah. Right. Because if you're, if you're, if you're closed, you're closed. And that's why I try and tell people when you're, when you're, when your objective is to resist what is, whether it's being in a relationship or it's being in a job or something, if you're resisting what is, there could be a ton of opportunities in front of you to get you in onto an even better path, but you're not going to see them because your mm-hmm. tunnel vision, you're focused on things you can't change. I mean, I've said this so many times before too, that's the serenity prayer, you know, which is, God grant me the serenity mm-hmm. to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I mean, that really says it all. I mean, just recognize what you can change, what you can't. And if you can't, you know, instead of being miserable, wouldn't you rather be happy? People are like, how can I be happy stuck in a submarine? Well, that's, that's, it's all up here. So, you know, you, you, um, in your questionnaire, you had mentioned that you're motivated, you're motivated by suicide and mental health issues in society and in the military. You evidently had, tell us about the submarine journey where you experienced a double murder suicide and the effects on morale during this in relating to mental illness. This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something great for your body. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. 
It's then blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel your best. The result, fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, Earth Echo Foods has been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. Use the code TRANSPARENT and receive 15% off your purchase today. Go to earthechofoods.com forward slash transparent with Tina. Yeah, I'll go into that. But briefly, I want to talk because it's interesting you brought up the serenity prayer. Uh-huh. That is literally what I read every day to get my perspective right. Oh, really? It was a struggle. It was definitely mentally challenging. And that prayer really took me to a state where I can let go because holding on, you can hold on for a few minutes. The the longer you hold on, the more detrimental it is to your health. So it is. And one one, one thing, you know what I I thought of recently, Musa, I I thought to myself, whenever if I ever have a tendency to do that and resist, I imagine myself as this like child who's throwing a tantrum because that's really what we're doing when we're resisting we're just throwing a tantrum and you know what i'm grown a woman now i'm i'm not going to behave like a child you know so that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the 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 vision that i have in my head whenever i start to go in that that like i'm stamping stomping my feet and i'm like come on you're a grown up act like a grown up right mm-hmm. yeah. no it's huge it's good to get that vision and and to go back to the the incident that uh the double murder uh, suicide. So that was someone I knew. It was on my submarine in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and we were in the shipyard. So it's when they take the submarine out and do like major repairs that they can't do when they're submerged in the water or in the water. So they take it out the water. Uh, and it's, that's usually a very, very big transition for Navy ships uh, and submarines because it's a completely different dynamic of what the work is like. Uh, and one of the guys, one of our junior guys, uh, he wasn't that old. He was on submarine for about a year and a half. Uh, very di- disgruntled. He had there, there was a lot of indicators of his personality and uh, a lot of things that just he was never he was always off some mm-hmm. on some level. Uh, and I always wondered, you know, a lot of people would just, you know, bully or batter or, or, or shame people. Um, which is a big thing oh, for on, a the, on the on the on the submarine. If, if someone doesn't perform, yeah. it's, it's a lot of times you might the, the people in your division because they need they need you to qualify things. Mm-hmm. The more the the sooner you can be certified to do certain things, the sooner you can actually help the workload. Yeah. Uh, his division also had the biggest workload out of like all the divisions on the submarine, the, the mm-hmm. mechanics, uh, and they owned like a good portion of the entire submarine and they had to do maintenance on it. And and they would always be working the most hours from what I've seen. Um, and it was, he, he never got on board fully with the, the certification process, the qualification process. It was always a struggle. And that's another thing that I was observing because everyone's expected to learn at the same pace. You have right. this X many months to qualify this or else you're delinquent and there's negative repercussions. And there was definitely some learning issues. He, he was not learning the same way most people were learning. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it. Uh, I, I, I did my, my best because we served the same duty section. I, I did what I could to just understand him as much as I can 
and mm-hmm. and be just a friend to like make him laugh and stuff and I, every time i spent time with him it was still a little bit odd like mm-hmm. I, I really didn't understand like what he was thinking ever so i could imagine like his immediate uh division guys and his leadership uh he was very hard to read and understand and, and then I'm, I'm studying it now there's a lot of indications with uh trauma when when people shut down emotionally and, and they're very hard to read or they're socially off there there's things going on that probably stemmed way before he joined the navy which is what should and have maybe been this up. is maybe this is just triggering it right yeah. you get triggered by things that happen when you're younger mm-hmm. so the that the tragedy happened uh it was it was several months he's several months past his expected certification and qualification for submarines and other things and he got into more like more like uh what's what i'm the word i'm thinking of just traumatized behavioral issues there's Uh a lot of behavioral issues going on with him uh and and again those things should if if people are trauma informed and aware of these things and and behaviors they they treat everyone the same and, and don't notice lead indicators of mental health problems which i honestly didn't either like mm-hmm. I, I just thought he was just that his personality was like that right mm-hmm. and I, I didn't i didn't link i didn't think of it the way i do now which is like there's there's probably something going on here that's a lot deeper right the the mm-hmm. things that stop people from learning yeah. and performing are not they're stupid which is what some people would tell him mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. people don't just learn because they're stupid mm-hmm. there's something going on mentally mm-hmm maybe emotionally that is blocking that part of their mind from operating fully. Yeah. So he was not stupid, even though that's maybe what he would perceive if he's, he's not answering questions or not learning and, and learning issues stem from a lot of times from what I've learned is, is trauma and and serious issues uh, in childhood. Yes. And I still don't know to this day what happened to him uh, in his childhood. However, uh, one of the days uh, he got in trouble, they did a review board. And I remember talking to my immediate uh, leader uh, and in there because they, they do it with the senior leadership, the enlisted senior leadership. And they, they kind of like interview, it could be a, a shitting session where they all just shit on people, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the type of leaders uh, They could just bash people. Like, why aren't you doing this? Like, what the hell? Um, I wasn't there for that. However, my leader told me that at some point he just shut down and stopped talking and started shaking. And I was just like, that's weird. Like, why the hell would you guys continue? Like, clearly something's wrong. (laughs) Like, people don't operate this way. So there was some sort of survival mechanism going on, right? Right. Uh, That that, that was an indication. Even though, even I'm not blaming anyone in there. You weren't there. You just heard heard this. You didn't see this, right? Yeah. But this this is what my leader told me directly, Mm -hmm. like one-on-one. Um. And I was just like, that's an indication of a lot of things. I wasn't even, uh, I wasn't even knowledgeable on like what that would mean. But you just as knew a, from, yeah. a, as a human, from a human being's perspective that, yeah. yeah. There's some, intuitively if, if anytime, like I've, if someone yelled at me and I just shut down and like started shaking, like there's a lot going on emotionally. There's a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was that same day after that, they, he stood watch, he was on duty. So every four days at that point. Uh, the the submarine has to be manned twenty four seven, so the the crew is split into four sections, and that that section that's on duty that day stays on the submarine to do armed watches, right? So there's armed security around the submarine twenty four seven, 
and he was on duty that day, which was my old duty section. So I left, I was right about, I was, I got out of the duty section cause I was preparing to separate a couple weeks later or a month later. Mm-hmm. And that day he was armed with a M4 rifle and a pistol. So it was in broad daylight where there was, I think it was like the end of the workday. This was a couple of weeks before Christmas Two Hawaiian shipyard workers walking away and he shot both of them and then he killed himself and those two men died. So, and this was right before Christmas. So I wasn't even there because I was, I was taking care of my paperwork. However, I had all my friends that I I was serving with was still attached to the submarine. Uh, And and then people started calling me that worked on the base because once there's a shooting, it's, it's an active shooter, right? And then it, everything locks down and yeah, the radio goes crazy. Uh, and, and one of my best friends, he called me because he was just like, what the hell is going on? Active shooter on the Columbia. And I was just like, I froze because like, I was just like, what the hell? And yeah, it could have been, been you. Like, like, could have been it could have been some of my friends i had no idea what was going on i didn't know the who's two, getting the shot two gen- the two gentlemen that he shot were they just happened to be in his way or the are these were these two of the men that were Mm-mm. drilling on him they were just no these guys probably never spoke to him that's what i thought they were shipyard workers they they're wow. engineers that worked with the navy just so happened they, to be at the wrong place at the wrong place wrong time, place, wrong time. and <clears throat> yeah i got that message and i was just like i don't know what's going on the the worst thing the thing i thought was somebody was just like one of our guys might have like went on the submarine or or our barge and like started shooting our leadership or something or people in divisions or whoever right so i I really had no idea what the the scope of it and i i messaged my uh corpsman who's like our medical guy and he's a good friend of mine and i just asked him like what's going on uh, I heard there's a shooting and then he just said his last name and then it, it just, I wasn't surprised actually. I was, I was shocked, but I, I was just like, if there was anyone to do it, that was, I was not certain about it was him. Mm-hmm. He was 22, 21. So, so this, this is what got you interested in mental health and the suicide because you know, you know, teenage suicide, I think has gone up 70%. Mm-hmm. in the last 10 years or something. And it is really something that needs to be addressed. How, how are you planning on addressing that? Because you said it's one of your, your passions right now, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And the, the, my intention with it um, mainly stems from the way the military treated the situation. Because of course it made news headlines everywhere because it was a shooting on a military base. And then shortly after it kind of just like, all right, that we're going to investigate. We're not going to talk about it though. And that's the way the Navy does things. And yeah, I get it from one perspective. They don't want people joining the military to think it's crazy and that they're going to be, you know, go crazy or kill themselves. So they don't really disclose suicide. Like you're not going to go to a recruiter and be like, how many suicides were in the Navy last year? They're not going to tell you. (laughs) Right. Right. Of course. No, of course. They want you to join. And if, if they tell you there was however many suicides, you wouldn't join. I was like, why the hell are people killing themselves? Exactly. Exactly. And there was multiple suicides before that event. And it was so, it was a challenge. I didn't even, I couldn't even get the names of the people on different submarines who killed themselves. Right. It's like that closed off that kind of information. Wow. So I was like, how, who, I knew someone 
uh, committed suicide on a different submarine a month or two prior. And I was just like, I was mad because they, they told us about it. And I was in very strong resistance because they told us about it. However, they didn't give us their name. And I was mm. like, why won't you give us their name? Like, <laughs> I might know this person. Yeah. Like yeah. this is the Navy. This is like our brother in arms. Right. right. So th- that kind of treatment. And then, and then I remember when the most senior leaderships of the Navy came down to that, our submarine after, and I was present for that. And he mentioned that it was just, it was no one's fault. Mm-hmm. Like it was just an isolated mm-hmm. incident, mm-hmm. which I get it from the perspective that no one should f- blame themselves and shame themselves. Cause that it was just, it's just stuck. sweeping in under the rug. Yeah. It's just sweeping in under the rug. And you know what? And this will continue until something changes, whether mm-hmm. it's their harassment or it's the recognizing that somebody's behaving differently. But I mean, you know, is people are you know, human beings are human beings. They're, we're not robots. We're, you know, we're not machines. And sometimes we're treated that way mm-hmm. and not with enough compassion and care, understanding, looking for signs and signals. So, um, so, so how, how are you yeah, going yeah. to, I know that you also <laughs> have, um, you also want to help the, uh, homeless. You, um, what did, where did I read this? Uh, you want to, one of your goals is to create a super shelter for homeless people to support true healing and recovery. Mm-hmm. So you, it sounds like you're just, you're compassionate in so many of so many other, so many of the areas that I am, I'm very um, passionate about helping the homeless people too, which a lot of people, I'm going to say it right now. A lot of people think, you know, Oh, why don't they go get a job? You know, or if I give sometimes my son has said, well, they're just going to go use it to drink or for drugs. You have to think of why are they, are they in that position? Okay. So mentally mental disorder, or they had so much fear that they started drinking to cope. Like we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation, what is fear? It leads to destructive behavior before you know it, you know what you've lost your house. This is not something that somebody intentionally, everybody intentionally want. I mean, well, not intentionally. I take that back. Everybody would love to have a beautiful life, but you have to realize where your intentions are. So your intentions can be for good and your intentions can be um, misguided and misdirected, which is where, you know, the bad habits and uh, things like that come in. Mm -hmm. Right. So just because you just because you see somebody homeless, a lot of people think, well, they're lazy. They're not getting off their whatever, you know, and they say uh, they said years ago that one maybe it's even more now. Everybody's like one paycheck away from being homeless, you know, and I think that people walk by them like they're the plague and they don't talk to them. And I just think that this is a big missing gap and link in our society that we really need to do something about. So have mm-hmm. you started on this project? Uh, this is a project that I haven't officially started on. It's more of, a, of getting ideas of the actually getting it created. Cause uh-huh. I have a, a, a idea and it, it kind of taps into your last question of mental health problems. Uh, and, and you kind of touch up on it. People who are homeless, uh, they're not just like willingly homeless. They're not right, like, I, right. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a, it's a mental health. It's yes. a mental health problem. It's it not. Uh, it, and it's a lot of, if unchecked mental health happens, which it happens to a lot of people, it leads to things like homelessness and drug mm-hmm. use and drug abuse. 
So it, it's it's looking at it from a completely different perspective. It's uh, I love the book Oprah and Bruce Perry just uh, they made recently called What Happened to You instead of what and it's changing the narrative of what's wrong with you to what happened to you. So if you see someone who's homeless, it's like what's wrong with them? They're a drug addict yeah, or right. whatever. I it's like more it. like what happened because what happened that led them to for their mind to operate this way where they use drugs to now where they can't stop and they have and the only way for them to stop is support from other people exactly by themselves their brain has become addicted to this way of operating yeah and people, they don't why can't they that, just why can't they just quit because that's at that moment that's the only relief they have it's mm-hmm. the only relief they have it's like they're clinging onto a lifeboat because they've they've given up on themselves they maybe feel, feel society has too but they definitely have i mean and you know i think if we all when we know better we do better Right. So it's about educating not only the people that are going through it, Musa, but like we're doing right now, educating the other people that are not in that position, but outside looking in, you know, and I've always said, if you're just kind to everybody you meet, it's going that in itself makes a huge difference in somebody's life. Again, I'm going to go back to people need to be heard and they need to be, um, you know, they need to be to to be appreciated. And if you have those two things, you know what, you, you could like really change the course of the direction of somebody's life without, without even realizing you're doing that. Mm-hmm. And to, to, again, go back to the mental health issue with the military, it's the same solution, even though it's, it's really difficult uh, at this scale, or I mean, that might just be a limitation. It's, it's about love, like at the deepest human core Mm-hmm. It's a love issue. Yes. Marianne Williamson talks about it. The only problem we have is the lack of love. Absolutely. Right? So if, if we think of a homeless person or if you're not, even not a homeless, someone who's mentally uh, unstable, uh, even though it's a bad stigma for a lot of people to be mentally checked or, you know, going to see a medical doctor, a psychologist in that way. So it's, it's stigmatized, which is part of my mission is, is getting rid of the stigma that it's yeah. okay that human beings are designed to have support that like our biological needs are about community, love and support and connection. So most people try to solve their problems alone, which is, that's not the, that's not the way that there's too much pressure. That, and that, like, you know, no one's, the, yeah. that is the first thing that I, when I used to do when I would get into fear is I'd isolate. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't want to bother anybody. I felt like, if I was isolated, I was kind of like in my own little cocoon, nothing could bother me or hurt me, you know, not, not the best way to go about it. But I think that's what a lot of people do when they get in a fear is they isolate. And that that's just leads you. That's the worst thing that you probably could do. Yeah. You me know, too. You talk to somebody that understands, then you feel like there's an opening, somebody cares, you feel heard, you know, you could take the next step. But if you're, if you're, cause then you're left alone with your own thoughts and that's a scary place to be when you're in fear. Mm-hmm. And, and and the way I've been perceiving it differently in that aspect, and I, I agree with you because I'd done the same thing, isolation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to anyone about it. And it was just starting to affect my health physically mm-hmm. when I was holding things in and not talking about it. Yep. When it comes to people who have mental health issues, what I've done that's been helpful for me shifting my perspective is the inner child, right? So mm-hmm. if you if you see in a like if I if I go back to that guy who who's on my submarine who's who's dealing with it if you saw a four-year-old child like think of a four-year-old child 
Like, how do they behave? Like, what's their character like? Right. They're imaginative. They're loud. They're enthusiastic. They're excited. They're everything. Yeah. <laughs> they feel every emotion. They're expressive. Uh, they're confident. They're courageous. That's the core of pretty much every human. Yeah. So if you saw a four-year-old who had the behavior of that person, so if they're just shut off, if they're if they're silent and shaking, or if they're doing, if they're saying things that just don't make sense, or, or if any of these behaviors, if that was coming from a four-year-old, if you were a parent, you would pay attention. You'd pay attention. You'd be concerned. You'd show them love. You'd be like, "What's going on? What's happening? Like, let me seek help if I don't know how to solve this issue." However, when it when that person becomes an adult. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's wrong with you? you know? I love that analogy. I really love that analogy because I, I, I write about it in my first book that, you know what, we're all trying to get back to that, that true nature, which is any, any child. That's what that, they've just come from source. They're filled with love. They're not they're, They don't have any fear. They know exactly who they are. That's what we're really all trying to get back to, because you know what we become the older we get, we hear, you know, naysayers or you can't do that. We hear too much. You can't do that. And it starts to shut down our creativity and our belief in ourselves. So that's really what we're all. T- and I love that analogy. So whenever you, yeah, if you ever think of, think somebody's shut down, think of them as their child self. And you think that they would be behaving like that as a child. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and that can even come into play with any relationship. If you're ever in an argument or if you ever see someone and, and, and go into a place where like anger and rage, anger, rage, <laughs> any of these things, like imagine that person, a little child, they're like, scared. What's, what's, what's making, what's make, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What makes people behave this way? Yeah. Yeah. They're not just assholes. Like, yeah. why are they asshole? If you want to think of it that I way, I love that. What I caused that, that subconscious thought process, that way of being reacted and, and triggered emotionally causes that kind of action by that person. You got to go deeper. Take right? one and, step for, yes, exactly. Because just, it's just an appearance. Absolutely. That is a reaction to something they are feeling deep inside. So yeah, yeah it's up to us. To t- and I, I agree. And you know, there's that saying, hurt people, hurt people. When you're hurt, you don't behave well, right? And that's why it's so important to take care of yourself. Self-care is the most important thing because I used to wait for somebody. Oh, I always somebody to come along and take care of me. No, that you need to take care of yourself mentally, never spiritually. It no won't happen because no you one's coming. You, no one's coming because you're not going to attract that as long as you, if you're not complete, you, you only can attract with what to the frequency that you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're in need, you're going to attract somebody else that's in need. Not because that will make you complete. So tell us, we, we, we have to wrap this up. Tell us about your podcast and where we can find you. Yeah. So my podcast is called The Conqueror Approach. And it's about the journey of self-mastery. It's a lot of the things we're talking about. It's yeah. getting back to that inner child. It's getting to a place of self-mastery. Because again, like you said, no one's coming. It is our responsibility if we choose to be responsible in our lives. So the whole podcast is about mindset, physical health, fitness, spirituality, and, and on the journey, right? Because I haven't mastered anything, but I want to invite people on the journey with me to learn and grow uh, and get different perspectives of how they can apply uh, these things in their life. And a lot of that mission is to get into the hands of people who are struggling mental health wise, right? Because mental health is physical health and physical health, is mental health. And all that spiritual it's all health. connected. It's all connected. You can't so disconnect it. Yeah. People want to separate mental health and physical health like it's two different things, and they're not. 
So interdependent. Yeah. My goal is is combining that and putting it in a platform which is not like here you're broken. Listen to this. It's more like let's grow. Let's let's what's what's limiting us? What we what do we need to overcome and how do we make the shift? So and the conqueror approach. Uh, it's on every podcast platform. The conqueror approach. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and my biggest platform to reach me as Instagram. However, I'm on Facebook and TikTok and all the, uh, the major platforms. So what's your handle on Instagram? It is my name, Musa Mikhail. M-I-K-H-A-I-L, just for those of you. Um, yep. And um, that's one more thing. I'm going to just say on what you I'm going to add on to what you said when you feel broken. Um, you're not broken. OK, mm-hmm. those areas just need to be healed. You know, you you've been traumatized somewhere in your life and you we've like taken that in our emotional body and our, our mind. And we need to release those because that's really not our true nature. That's not who we are. It's something that happened. We didn't know how to cope with it. And now it's affecting us, whether it's mentally or physically or spiritually. So you're not broken. And, you know, we all have it. everybody has things that they need to heal inside of them. Right. Everybody, every single person. And, and the one thing, the one belief we need the most is just the belief that it's possible to have a great life, to be happy, exactly. to actually have healthy relationships, that it is possible. Because as soon as if we if we subconsciously believe that it's not and we're not capable or worthy mm-hmm. or enough to have a great relationship or business or make a lot of money, it's never going to happen. Absolutely. So when you think, what if? Instead of thinking, what if this happens in the negative? Think of what if mm-hmm. in the positive. What's possible. Yeah. What mm-hmm. if uh, I get fired? What if I don't? What you know? Always look at in the positive, and I think that'll set you on the. I could talk to you for hours, Musa. But anyway, thank you so much for being here. Um, check him out. Check out his podcast. And for those of you watching, if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do. It's Tina Marks TV, and also. Um, my podcast. Uh, if you haven't downloaded it yet, please do and share it with a friend and we will see you next week. Thanks, Musa. Thank you.